You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. As always, this episode will be followed by an, a, a, a wonderfully crafted blog post with links and resources to our guest. And I'm really excited to announce our guest today. Reagan Archibald. Uh, Reagan is a board-certified acupuncturist. Uh, he's got a master's in science in oriental medicine uh, and also received postgraduate training in regenerative medicine. He's a functional medicine practitioner, and he is a stem cell specialist. This guy has been studying at the University of Utah, which is apparently the, the, at the forefront of stem cell therapy, so we're going to talk about stem cells, and this is a cool subject because uh, I have a couple of family members that have have received some stem cell therapy, and uh, Reagan is going to walk us through the history, where it's at now, where it's going into the future, uh, and as as a as a as a person who's writing the the research and writing uh, basically books to teach people how to use stem cells. Um, as a therapeutic modality, this is the guy that we want to talk to. So I'm really excited uh, to have uh, Reagan on the podcast today. Reagan, thanks for being here, man. Hey, really appreciate having me on, Sean. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So I think we should probably start with sort of the historical context of stem cells. I think, you know, a lot of us remember this like sort of sensational time about when it was passed. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Where do we get them? How do we get them into our bodies? So if you could sort of give us a general um, understanding of, of how, how we got to where we are today as far as stem cells, that would really help our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, let's talk about what a stem cell is. A, a stem cell essentially is the, is the master cell in your body. So it's a cell that's undifferentiated. Uh, most of these stem cells in your own body are they're undifferentiated. They've just they're waiting for cells to die. So every second you have tens of thousands of cells that are dying, and then the stem cells are what replenish those cells. So essentially, a stem cell can become any of the 200 different types of cells in your body that make up your tissues, your organs, your glands, your skin. Everything in your body is made up of these stem cells. And so um, the whole concept is just, um, you know, the, if you've got enough stem cells, um, then the stem cells replace what is missing in your body and they, they create the regenerative healing property that, that you need. So um, the history of stem cells, you know, you asked about that, Sean. Um, it's, it goes back, I mean, stem cells were discovered like in the 1950s. It wasn't until the 1970s that we actually started doing anything with those. And we, we originally thought that stem cells were only in the bone marrow. And there are um, quantities, depending on your age and health, there are either high or low quantities of, of mesenchymal stem cells and hematopoietic stem cells in your bone marrow. And those stem cells uh, in 1974, that's where we started treating, we started doing bone marrow um, transplants transplantation. So uh, you, you find a matching donor. And if you had leukemia or certain types of anemia, then we would transplant stem cells. We do the bone marrow um, transplant in those patients. And a lot of cases, they would start feeling better. And so um, we, you know, we kept using that and it's still in use today. There's still dramatic turnarounds from those, those diseases with stem cell therapy. But it wasn't until the, the 90s where we started realizing Hey, there's actually stem cells in the umbilical cord and there's stem cells in the tissues of the body. They found stem cells in the hippocampus of the brain. They found them in the heart. And then they realized, wow, there's actually stem cells in every single place in the body. And so the researchers looked at that and they said, well, if we had enough stem cells um, in, in a person's body, then the body could literally heal from anything. And then that brought on cloning and all these like 
these realizations that, wow, these stem cells are like these magical cells that can can really help uh, us uh, and uh, work for us if we use them in the correct way. So that begs the question, what's the correct way? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, that's 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 the golden question. And, and you know, we're learning more and more every day. Um, you know, I was uh, at East West Health. That's it's the clinic I founded. Um, I was the first recipient of stem cell therapy about six years ago. Um, I had a torn rotator cuff. Um, my labrum was was shattered, so I had cartilage damage. My scapula was cracked all but about a half of an inch after I I, I actually collided with a skier um, going about 40 miles per hour. And um, so the proper way for me was, you know, as I looked into it, I said, well, I could get stem cells from my own body, but um, I grew up on a farm in Idaho and I was exposed to a lot of chemicals. So I ended up as, as a teenager, I had multiple autoimmune conditions. Um, by the time I was in my early 20s, I had Hashimoto's. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with this, Sean, but for those listeners who aren't, it's the condition where your, your thyroid uh, is being attacked by your immune system. Your immune cells consider the tissue to be antigenic and they start um, producing antibodies towards it. And so um, what happened is uh, I... I realized, and that's how I got into natural medicine. I just wanted to be a conventional Western medical doctor. But I realized as a kid, the treatments I was given was antibiotic steroids, antibiotic steroids. It was like nonstop for my asthma, my psoriasis. And then even with my Hashimoto's, it just went, you know, it just was dismissed. Here's a hormone. Your thyroid's not working. But nobody actually looked at why it wasn't working. But I, I eventually discovered that the reason why it wasn't working is because I was exposed to all these chemicals. The chemical burden in my body was so high that there was no way that my body could combat that. And so I was tired all the time, brain fog. I was in school with like toothpicks holding my eyes open. And, you know, especially in the afternoons, it was like wading through mud. But um, that's why I didn't use my own stem cells because your stem cells in your body have been exposed to everything you have. And so what I did is I found a source of stem cells uh, from umbilical cords and amniotic membrane. And I found that not only do those stem cells, they're, they're young, they're fresh, they have not been exposed to anything, but, um, but there's also naturally occurring growth factors or cytokines. There's these very potent proteins called temp2 proteins that promote vascular genesis and angiogenesis for better vascularization. So I, I uh, reaching out to a couple doctors, there's no one in Utah doing this type of stem cell therapy. There's doctors doing bone marrow stem cells and but i didn't want to go that route so i i've reached out to a lab some orthopedics uh, orthopedic doctors in texas had stem cells sent in and and we injected my shoulder and um you know my recovery the first three days i noticed nothing but then by that three month mark i had about an 80 percent improvement and it just kept getting better and better by six months my six months my right shoulder that that full thickness tear was just as strong as, as it was before the accident. So I said, all right, this, this is a correct application of stem cells, um, using it for, you know, not only, um, you know, muscle tears, ligament tears, but also cartilage damage. And that's what we've seen in, in the nearly 2000 cases, 2000 procedures we've done is we've seen, um, that there's definitely a clinical application for utilizing stem cells, um, for, you know, the musculoskeletal, any degenerative um, disc disease in the spine, um, meniscal tears, um, bone on bone, osteoarthritis. Those are some of the major things that we've treated. And then within the last two years, um, one of our medical doctors, um, you know, both of them, Dr. Lawrence and Dr. Oakton actually did training with the neurologist. And, and now we've jumped into treating more of the neurodegenerative diseases and doing things to optimize brain performance and memory and working at treating autoimmune disease with more of the hematopoietic stem cells. So um, it's it's been really uh, exciting to see some of the breakthroughs with this medicine and in just the six years that we've been utilizing it, it's really uh, becoming at the forefront of medicine. It's, it, it, you know, your story of how you came into it is so, is so um, it's so typical and it's so fantastic, right? You have a need, you were exposed to pesticides, you didn't like 
the the way that you felt you had autoimmune problems and so you got it you so you sought out your own solutions and and that eventually grew into uh the same story with the stem with the stem cells you know to be your own guinea pig to be your own researcher to heal your own shoulder is is so is so cool you know if you're going to be poking other people you better be <laughs> you got to be the first to the plate right yeah yeah absolutely and and just for the record, I've I've actually had stem cell therapy seven times now, and um, so I've not in my shoulder. I've only had to treat my shoulder one time. Everyone asks, "Well, is it permanent?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's 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 permanently repaired that damaged tissue." But I've I've treated my knee for a, a meniscal tear. I fractured my uh, cervical my C seven my my cervical vertebrae about ten years ago, and I've treated that, and it's given me. I've got full range of motion now, no pain in my neck. And then I do IV infusions once a year for overall wellness and overall, um, you know, uh, autoimmune taming um, from it. And it's, yeah, it's just been phenomenal. It's, you know, not only has it changed my life, but I've seen um, our patients, I've uh, never seen results quite like it with our patients. So for the sake of time, and I'm just going to keep peppering you the questions, man. I, yeah. um, how How can we... Before we get to that point where where we decide that we're going to do some stem cell therapy, whether it's from our own stem cells or from um, from you know an umbilical cord, like what what are some ways? Because since you're the stem cell guy, what what are some of the ways that we can improve our own stem cell uh, generation? Um, great question. Because uh, you know if if you look at uh, the amount that your stem cell rates decline as you age. I mean, by 35, your stem cell release rate drops by about 45%. Not to depress you, Sean, I'm going to oh, give you- I'm, 30, I'm 34, Reagan. Like I, You're you right on the cusp, buddy. I'm 39. So <laughs> my, my rates of our, I'm like pretty much dead. <laughs> um, by, by 50, your stem cell release rate drops by 50%. By 65, your stem cell release rate drops by 90%. So all you have left, uh, if you're over 65, is you have 10% of your adult stem cells circulating in your blood. So here's the caveat. Our, our telomeres, you know how long our bodies are designed to live for. Have you, have you looked at this, Sean? 88 years. Yeah, well, that's, like, um, that's the high end of the average. And uh, maybe in Japan, they're living to be that old. United States right now, our mortality rate's about 80 but if you look at the, the telomere lengths, our body, actually our cells, we're, we're programmed to live to be about 120. Now, now, this is interesting. Nobody's living to be 120 because they're losing stem cells faster than they're repopulating those. So the real question, if we want, you know, and I don't know if you've studied Aubrey de Grey's work or if you, you know, listen to Ray Kurzweil, but we're at this, this you know, escape longevity velocity where if we can just hang on for another, you know, some of the predictions as early as 2022, um, I'm not sure that we're going to quite be ready where technology for every year that you live, technology gives you another year on your life. But I look at stem cells and I say, yeah, these are the superheroes of healing. And so how can you get your body's own stem cells ramped up as quickly as possible? And I, I give you kind of that caveat about what's going on internally, because this is for the average person who has high amounts of inflammation, their stress levels are through the roof, they have not looked at their genetics to see you know, what types of vitamins they need, what types of foods to eat. They're not looking at their gut health, they're not looking at their hormones. They're really just kind of um, living day, day by day, eating the standard American diet. But here's a couple things that we found. Um, one thing that we found is that if you're eating foods that are inflammatory based, these foods stop the proliferation of stem cells. So one of the, the most dense quantities of stem cells that researchers have found are not actually in your bone marrow, they're actually in the crypts of your small intestine. So if you, if you look at the small intestine, they have these little villi on them. And those villi are intended to absorb nutrients. So the way that you can really thrive as an individual is by having proper absorption of those nutrients. And Many of us know, if you've studied anthropology at all, our, our digestive systems are much smaller. They're like half the size of other primates. 
And so that's part of it is so we could have a big old brain. We had to get very efficient in our digestive process. So these cells in our small intestine, they're dying every three to five days. You have an entirely new small intestine. All all the old cells have died and new cells have, have replaced those old cells because of the amount of stem cells in those crypts. Well, here's what happens when you eat foods that trigger inflammatory processes or you end up with you know, uh, intestinal permeability, those, those stem cells, which are called CD34, these are hematopoietic type stem cells that help downregulate your, your autoimmune condition, but these cells can't repopulate. They can't migrate as well. So here's some of the foods that research has actually shown to diminish the migration of the stem cells from the crypts of your small intestine. The first food is gluten. So John, where are you going to find gluten? That's in that's 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 the cheese. It's in the Wonder Bread that I eat every day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't had I haven't even seen Wonder Bread. Does it still exist? I don't even know, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Maybe <laughs> that was fun as a kid. I always was envious of my friends. Their moms actually gave them Wonder Bread. My mom was making like cooking bread. I you know, like I said, I grew up on a farm, so we had unlimited access to wheat and potatoes and beef. But, um, but yeah, gluten is in the, in the breads that we eat. It's actually in the shampoos and a lot of soaps, um, any biscuits, waffles, crackers. I mean, all those things, gluten is, is, uh, is everywhere, but gluten is one of those foods that turn off the CD34. So, and it's also happens to be one of the foods that people, about 80% of Caucasians have some type of immune reaction to. Now, this is different than celiacs. It's a, you know, that's a different conversation. But the other thing is sugar. So sugar, and you're familiar with the age, the advanced glycation end products. Sugar is another thing that turns off those, in the, those stem cells in your body. So, so if you want, you know, remember, Sean, you're 34. So next year, your stem cell release rate is going to drop by 45%. So you got to get rid of the sugar. So if I need to, I can come and apply duct tape on your mouth if you've got a problem with it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm okay. We'll we'll talk to my wife. She uh, <laughs> she's the one with the sweet tooth. Well, and just two episodes ago, uh, we sat with we talked with Dr. Christine Roche, who does um, uh, gut permeability testing. Well, she'll send you a kit. You can either pee on it or do a swab. Send it back in. She does analysis to say, okay, you're you're you need these sorts of of, of bacteria. You're low in these, you're high in these, here's the probiotic uh, protocol you need to follow. And it, of course, right. And I mean, I didn't know that, that the high concentration of stem cells was in the small intestine, but, um, but of course, right. Like what we eat is the building blocks of everything. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so good. I'm glad I'm, and I'm obviously teasing you, but, but yeah, the, the sugar. So here's where you want to limit it to. And I would recommend everybody to, yeah, do the test Dr. Roche talked about, um, Viome, which is a, a newer test. We've been using that a lot because it shows the RNA transcription factors. You can go to viome.com. Uh, Naveen Jain has been on my podcast, just really advanced technology for um, testing intestinal permeability. Their test actually shows the amount of human RNA, so the amount of, of breakdown of actual cells in your in your stool. So um, anyway, there's ways of testing for this, but the other food is soy and soy. Not only are the, you know, is it most soy 90 to 95% of soy in America is genetically modified, which means they're modifying it. So you can spray more glyphosate and Roundup on it. Um, but soy uh, is another food that cuts off the stem cell proliferation dairy. So not the whey in dairy whey is actually can be um, beneficial for the, the stem cells, but it's the casein. So, so get rid of, of the dairy and then any processed grains, the corns um, is, is one of those processed grains that can really diminish this. And then the final thing are molds. So molds, you're going to find, you know, the aflatoxin A is going to be in the wines. Um, it's going to be in a lot of the cheeses and then environmentally. So, um, so those are just some of the things that we found that they can disrupt stem cell proliferation. So if you want to increase it, then um, one of the best ways of increasing stem cell proliferation, believe it or not, is through fasting. 
So have you ever have you ever done a fast, Sean? I, I, I have. I do I do a three day fast every month and then I eat for ketosis. So my my eating schedule is I don't eat an, until two o'clock and then I eat in a window from two until eight every day. Okay, beautiful. Great. So are you doing more intermittent fasting? Uh, but are you like doing bulletproof coffee or something like that in the morning? Or are you just strictly nothing but water until two? No, I am doing, I am doing, uh, yeah, I do butter, butter coffee with MCT oil, grass fed butter blended, uh, every morning. And so, yeah, like today I've had two cups of coffee and, and won't eat until, until two o'clock. So yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That's what I do. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, you know, interestingly enough, so I'll, I'll share a study with you where, they took a hundred subjects um, and they went through a 30 day cycle of periodic fasting. And you can do this. There's multiple ways of doing it. But at the end of the, the study, what they're doing is they're measuring um, the stem cell release rate in the blood. And they're looking at the, the amount of hematopoietic stem cells. And they found in this, in this particular study, none of, first of all, none of the subjects had any types of adverse reactions but they found that the fasting promoted autophagy. So some of those cells that you don't want left in your body, um, those cells were actually, it, they got rid of those old cells and then it increased the amount of stem cells and the amount of growth hormone by almost 40% um, through this, this 30 day cycle where they were fasting one day out of every five. So pretty interesting. Um, the other thing that uh, we found is that there's this concept called time-restricted eating. It's a little different than intermittent fasting. Um, uh, Dr. Panda is, uh, you know, kind of a, a premier researcher on this particular um, subject. But you know, when we look at the uh, and the difference between intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, uh, time-restricted eating is you're basically limiting the amount of time that you're eating. So, you know, if you're going two to eight, um, you know, that's a, that's actually a very small, it's a six hour window of eating, right? But you are stimulating a metabolic process right when you drink your MCT and butter laden coffee, you weirdo. I, I do that by the way. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so you're not pointing fingers. Yeah, no, no. I, I love that. That's, that's how we recommend it to our patients too. But the thing that, that we found is um, if you actually just just the fact of drinking that in order to get ketones, your liver has to start a metabolic cycle. So you've got three different types of ketones that your liver has to metabolize. And so your liver is part of your digestive system and your digestive tract follows the circadian rhythm. And if you can actually let your digestive system rest a little longer, at least 12 hours a day where you're not doing any, no, no butter laden coffee, no tea, not even taking an herb, but give yourself at least a 12 hour window. And actually in some of the studies, it shows that you do even better for putting on muscle, muscle mass, muscle strength and endurance. Um, if you can limit it to closer to like 10 hours a day where you're not stimulating any type of metabolic process. But what they found is that actually is a way of letting your your small intestine rest where there's no digestive processes going on, no, no stimulation to the liver. And then that's another way of enhancing your stem cells. So maybe give that a try, Sean, at least a couple days a week where you just say, cool, I'm not going to drink any coffee until 10. And then I'm going to eat lunch at two. And then I'm going to eat dinner at uh, six and then I'm done. And that, that puts you right in that window. But that's another way of you, uh, that you can increase your own own stem cells. Yeah, that would be a simple transition for me. I mean, uh, I'd have to, so, but that, that, that does, that does also prohibit me from taking all the amazing supplements that I like to take on an empty stomach in, in my, in my daily regimen is butter coffee followed by, you know, a, a handful of natural stack supplements. Um, so I would, but, but you're right. I mean, if, if I could do that a couple of times a week, if I could do that two or three times a week to increase my stem cell, um, creation just by, just by waiting and to drink that coffee and then take my supplements at 10, uh, and, and I'm going to sashay transition right into a next thing. Cause one of the things that you and I talked about before this call was, uh, um, the cordyceps mushroom and the cordyceps mushroom, uh, is not only a 
an alien fungi if there ever was one, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's in our, um, it's in our Myco Myco Boost. Uh, the Myco Boost product that, that we carry at Natural Stacks is is Cordyceps and Yerba Mate. And and you told me before the call that that uh, Cordyceps has a has a cool effect. Can you tell tell the listeners about that too? Yeah. So um, one of the things I've I've looked at is um, what what types of herbs, uh, fungi. Uh, you know, uh, foods, what do they do to the stem cells in your body? Because I'm, I'm interested in, yeah, if you've got a, a degenerative disease, it's not going to regenerate on your own. And that's when you're going to need stem cells. But I'd much prefer that nobody ever needed stem cells. All you need is, is eating the right foods, having the right lifestyle and, you know, maybe uh, foraging a, for some fungi, but cordyceps and I guess cordyceps is in your, your mycoimmune products. And is it in the mind as well? I know mind's got lion's mane in it, which is, you know, another stem cell proliferator. But is it in, in mind as well? No, it's not in mind. Okay. Um, but we'll talk about cordyceps, lion's mane. Um, cordyceps, what they found is it, it helps modulate the function of your Th1 and Th2 cells in the bronchial airway, but it also helps in the, the crypts of the small intestine. So once again, it's it's a way of stopping inflammation is what they found of cordyceps. The other study that I've looked at is where this, this was out of Taiwan, where they took mice and they actually injected a liquid version of, of cordyceps into these mice. And they, they tested the amount of, of uh, mesenchymal and hematopoietic stem cells that were circulating before the cordyceps were injected. And then they looked at it afterwards. And they found that when cordyceps, and so cordyceps and then another herb called astragalus, um, both of those herbs had about the same 22 to 25% bump in stem cell proliferation for up to 48 hours after these, uh, these stem cell or after the stem cells were measured after the herbs were injected. So, you know, you, you look at that hypothetically, um, you know, and it, it's not that the cordyceps have stem cells that have been identified and that's was the stem cells that they're measuring it actually triggered the release of their bodies the, the mice's own stem cells and then these stem cells were able to migrate and go to areas that needed to be healing so um so yeah that's some fascinating things there with uh with lion's mane um one of the the things that lion's mane has been shown to do is to help with neuronal stem cells so the neural stem cells help you create like the the um, ogliodendrites, the astrocytes, all of those those neurons in your brain. But what they found is most of the stem cells are found in the hippocampus of the brain. And when they were actually able to, well, there's, there's two different studies that I'll reference here, but one study is uh, a study where they took mice, I believe mice, they, they lived to be about 24 months old. And in one group of mice, they just, they had an agent that actually killed the stem cells in the hippocampus. And they found that these mice like went off, it's like they went off a cliff in aging and the aging, they basically, they died very quickly. Um, but what they found is if they were able to re-inject uh, mesenchymal stem cells back into the hippocampus, these mice actually recovered and they, they became young mice again. Their brain started firing, but their whole body became young. So I look at uh, using an herb like like lion's mane, and I eat it with my family all the time. If you guys have never tried it, it's like very easy to cook. They call it the lobster of the forest, like this this co- really cool looking mushroom. So um, that is in our Michael Mine product. Yeah, I knew it was. I take I've I've been taking that product ever day one that it was released. Roy got it to me, and I love it. Um, so I take that every single day, and I'm. I'm, you know, the reason I'm setting it up with this study about mice is because one of the ways that you can promote longevity, not only in just your brain, but in your entire body is where they found it with these mice is just by getting the stem cells, the neuronal, the neural stem cells in your hippocampus to proliferate. And one of the ways you can do that is by eating lion's mane or, you know, taking the, um, the mycomine product is it's, it's a great way. So what they found is is in mice when the lion's mane was injected into mice they found that not only was there an increase in the the circulatory 
stem cells, but they were actually also able to measure that there was more activity in the brain of the mice, in the, specifically in the hippocampus of these mice. And so, it, you know, the, the idea was that it's actually triggering um, the stem cell proliferation in that part of the brain. So, so yeah, lots of um, different things. But yeah, cordyceps, astragalus, lion's mane, um, those have all been uh, tested uh, very well, not only in China, but also there's some studies out of Israel um, that, that show some of that as well. One thing that we also talked about before uh, before we got onto the the hit the record button was that uh, that acupuncture also stimulates stem cell growth. Can you tell us about that too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think this is fascinating. I I got into acupuncture kind of as an accident when I first heard about it. I was like, ah, acupuncture, come on, uh, it doesn't work. It's placebo, but actually, acupuncture is is phenomenal. And I didn't believe it until I actually had it done and just had this very transformative experience. But there's there's a lot of research um, uh, on stem cells specifically that comes out of China. And Taiwan is, uh, they're, they're some of the leaders in stem cell therapy. Many of you know, at the Bush administration, when they came in, the ability for the anyone to get federal lending for embryonic stem cell research that was gone for like eight years, you know. So, so the United States we kind of um, we fell behind in a lot of our ability to research embryonic stem cells. It wasn't until 2008 where the Obama administration kind of opened things up again for federal lending, and then it, it's also where the FDA kind of looked at um, tissue allografts. Um, and they created their own section. Uh, it's, it's under Section 1271 and CFR, and opened up stem cell use. But but in Taiwan, they've done studies with acupuncture, and they've actually tested the progress. And they've they've taken subjects. So they took 30 subjects. They all had osteoarthritis in the knee. Stem cells were injected in one group. No acupuncture was given. The other group received stem cells. And this the study is is subjective, but I think it's it's still um, you know an important study, but they found in the group that had the stem cells with the acupuncture, and each group had you know same diagnosis. The group that had the acupuncture performed about ten to fifteen percent better, huh. and so kind of interesting. Another uh, study that was done where they took rats and with these rats they actually they injured their spinal cord, and they looked at putting acupuncture. Um, so one group of rats, they got just the stem cells um, and they were, they were using human amnion stem cells. And so these stem cells were injected in the spine of the, the, the rats, the mice. And, and the other group also received what's called electroacupuncture on the dew meridian. So, so they actually put acupuncture needles above and below the area where the spinal cord was injured and then they put just a subtle electrical current in there. And they did that every week for four weeks. And they found that the rats that had the acupuncture had better outcomes than the rats that just had the stem cells. And they actually found that that in most of these mice, there, there wasn't a whole lot of the stem cells that were injected into the, these rats. Most of these rats recovered with or without acupuncture, but the rats that did not that that did not receive the acupuncture did not have as much regrowth and they use more of the stem cells that were injected, the, the human amnion stem cells versus the rats that received the acupuncture had higher quantities of their own stem cells that migrated into the area from the acupuncture. Um, uh, th there's, there's been other studies uh, with strokes. Um, there, there's a study done in just 2016 and they found that uh, patients who received uh, who had strokes and received acupuncture, they found not only did it reduce brain edema and some of the ischemia, some of the, the damage in the tissue, but they also found that there was um, endogenous neurogenesis, which means that there was there something came and regrew those those nerves, and they found that it was the proliferation and migration of neuronal stem cells. So, so um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot with stroke, with uh, brain enhancement, but I think... Uh, you know, one of the cool things is we're starting to realize that, you know, acupuncture, even though some of the uh, Chinese medical terms, you know, qi and yin and yang are a little bit um, archaic and it may feel 
um, you know, a little uh, woo-woo for some people. But actually, um, you know, not only do I love the theoretical side of Chinese medicine and the emotional side and looking at some of the terminology they use in the historical data, and it's phenomenal medicine. It's been around 5,000 years, but now we have We've actually been able to locate, and there's actually some interesting research out of Korea where they've been able to um, locate what are called these bonghan ducts, and that you can see where the acupuncture points are and the meridians. So, have you do you do you know what a map of the acupuncture meridians look like, Sean? Yeah, yeah, I can picture it. I think I think everyone can picture that. If you can't, then there's this cool thing called Google, and um, you can just pull up Google acupuncture meridians and that will help guide you in this kind of visualization. But um, what what these Koreans found is that there's actually a physiological correlate with the acupuncture meridians and that acupuncture meridians do indeed have this anatomical and physiological correlate. So it's not just some, you know, some uh, hypothetical like uh, crazy theory where Lao Tzu fasted for 40 days and collected rainwater and was drinking the rainwater only for 40 days. At the end of 40 days, he saw the meridians. It's actually, now we can see there's actually these ducts, and it's not just energy. It's it's actually these, these bongan ducts are where they've actually found these biophoton-emitting DNA and nanoparticles that are some of the precursors to these microcells and then adult stem cells. So a lot of the migration of stem cells in your own body these these stem cells will travel along the bonghan ducts. When these bonghan ducts are stimulated by a needle, needle gets placed in your arm or your leg, for example, then these acupuncture uh, points and these acupuncture needles stimulate faster turnover. There's there's this this higher flow of these microcells and adult stem cells, and then they see the transplantation or transportation of these stem cells into the area that's been damaged in your body. So. Um, so, you know, kind of some fascinating uh, research that came out of Korea, and this was you know, about 10 years ago, and we're just starting to understand what it all means. It's, um, but yeah, breakthrough in, in, in my mind. Yeah, the, the, I think that we're getting closer to, and, and natural therapy is something that I'm really passionate about and that I've experimented with and all sorts of alternative healing modalities from tapping to reflexology, you know, I own float centers, but it seems like we're inching closer and closer toward the convergence of traditional medicine, traditional concepts that before seemed like super woo. And now we're beginning to understand that, that from a, you know, materialist reductionist scientific way, we're able to actually see how this stuff works. You know, we're actually understanding that conceptual, theories of of energy and healing and all this stuff is is actually rooted in hard science uh, but but perhaps back back when these things were these concepts were being developed we didn't maybe have the measurements to to quantify or or, or really illustrate how these things work but now i think it's it's exciting because we're we're almost there so given given that understanding as we go forward where do you see you know am i going to be able to regrow a, a pinky, you know, in, in five, 10 years, like what, what's really the future? Cause you've talked a lot about, about, um, like anti-aging and, and regeneration, but what's, what's really the future? Where are we heading with all of this? You know, um, that's a great question. I mean, uh, trying to predict the future is right now is like, uh, it, it's coming far quicker than I ever imagined in my, in my career, but where I see the history of stem cells. So, um, embryonic stem cells are still they you know, those are the induced, uh, stem cells that, that you would take if you had like a type one diabetic. And actually I, I know one of the researchers out, out of Harvard and they're doing research on for type one diabetes and they can, they can take, uh, and they can use fetal tissue or embryonic stem cells and induce those stem cells and then inject those stem cells into the pancreas of patients with type one diabetes and these stem cells are creating new beta cells that that produce insulin. So they're they're reversing type one diabetes. And so, I mean, there's so many different conditions with that can be treated effectively, like cancer, for example. You know, just just changing, putting in a, a, a 
genetic makeup into these stem cells and these stem cells can now target cancer and shrink the, the tumors. But, you know, I see the future of stem cells as being unlimited where, uh, you know, yeah, we can reverse chronic disease, we can end chronic disease. Um, and, uh, but my, my goal is obviously to prevent it, but yeah, stem cell, the future of stem cells will be huge, but the monopoly that Western medicine has, the monopoly of the pharmaceutical companies is just phenomenal. I mean, the, uh, the average cost for oncology treatments, oncology treatments are, are the most profitable in medicine right now, which is why we can never say we treat cancer. And obviously at natural stacks, you guys would uh, get shut down pretty quick if you had a product that reversed cancer, right? cancer. So same with, with stem cells. It's it's very difficult to get this out to the forefront, but in uh, a lot of these studies in other countries, in the United States here, um, I see this in the next 10 to 15 years where that will be the primary treatment. As far as regrowing your pinky, um, that's been done. It can be done. You just have to find a place that, that can actually um, grow stem cells and which is not in the United States. So some of the regulations uh, are in the United States is you can, you have to use stem cells in their primitive state. I can't take stem cells from an umbilical cord and, uh, and isolate the, the most potent stem cells out of that umbilical cord tissue, and then induce those stem cells to start growing a tissue graft for your pinky, um, in the United States. But there's labs outside of the United States that are already doing that. So, uh, I think, yeah, that will be phenomenal. Right now, the FDA has has said, "Look, you you can use um, stem cells, but you there for from umbilical cord or from uh, you know your own adipose tissue or bone marrow." But the problem is, you cannot um, claim or you can't treat, prevent, reverse any diseases. You know that's that's the the FDA stance on it. But they're very supportive of stem cells. They have very positive things to say, and so. Um, I just think it's if if you could get rid of uh, some of the old dogma in medicine that we just need drugs and surgery to fix things, if we could just um, you know let's just say we just all of a sudden they disappeared, um, then this medicine would be here and we could we could change the world. We could we could help. Literally, there's 92% of people, according to Lancet, 92% of people have at least one health condition that really concerns them. We could change the lives of that would be six and a half billion or however the math works out. Over six billion people could be benefited if we just got rid of that one thing real quick. I mean, leave the things in that are life saving, but but yeah, so it's it's here, but it's just uh, you know, it takes a long time for people to change their mindset, especially when there's monetary concerns behind it. Yeah. That you as you talk about, you know, um specifically taking um uh, extracting stem cells from umbilical cords. Um, in our in one of our last episodes, we talked to uh, to Roy, who's working with you uh, personally on on his process of of banking his stem cells, and he touched on it just briefly. But um, I'm wondering if you, because this is a practical application, not just fixing your shoulder, but this is a practical application of of almost like an insurance. Um, uh, tactic to make sure that you that he has stem cells for his for himself and yeah. his wife and his daughter. Can you can you walk us through that process a little bit? Yeah. So if if you're having a baby, and this is you know Roy, he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm you know we're pregnant." And so is he still in Hawaii, by the way, or is he back now? Well, by the time this is released, he'll he will be back. But yeah, he's he's right right now. He's in Hawaii, which. Uh, coming from Seattle, going from Seattle in the winter to Hawaii is like, and I've got to tell you. Yeah, good. I was, I, I said, you got to do a baby moon, buddy, before that baby is born because it changes your life forever. I've got three kids, but, but what you can do when you have this birth tissue, what the researchers realized is that the, the stem cells that you'll find in the birth tissue is like, it's very potent. Um, it's, it's like a perfect matrix of growth factors, cytokines, um, you know, all the proteins, the enzymes and the, the proper cells for the baby to grow. And it's in an, an immune privileged environment. That means that that tissue doesn't have the typical 
markers or um uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have the human leukocyte antigen markers on it that like uh, other tissue would because of of the ability for that mother to grow a baby without having her immune system uh, attack it. And so you what what we found is that right within that birth tissue and there's four million birth tissues that get thrown out every day in the United States. But what you can do and banking has been going on for about 15 years in the United States, but you can take your your baby, your your however you want to look at it, your baby or your wife's your your mother's uh, birth tissue, and you can bank it. And so what they'll do is they'll take the umbilical cord, and they will um, put it in a crowd. They'll crowd preserve it. In most cases, they'll they'll turn it into a flowable. So Utah Cord Bank is where we actually get our product. And if you want to donate that, you can you can. And basically, well, if you want to bank it, I guess it's not a donation, but if you want to bank it, then you can bank it with um, several, there's several banks throughout the United States. We use Utah Cord Bank, um, Elliot Spencer, he's been on my podcast. He's a, a good friend of mine, but he's uh, that double PhD, real, real, he's at the forefront of, of stem cell research, but he's got a, a process like no other uh, banks have as far as how quickly he's able to morselize the tissue, make it into a flowable, and then then get it in a cryopreserved state because cryopreserved state is where it's stored at 200 below in liquid nitrogen. But the quicker you can get the stem cells out of the environment and into that cryopreserved state, the better it's going to be. So then what would happen is Roy can look at that and he can say, well, I want to do an infusion just to help my overall health. And so he can just call up the bank and he can get his, his, his son or his daughter or whatever is born, he can get that umbilical cord uh, tissue and um, use it therapeutically. He can, his, his child, if his child ever has any illnesses, I mean, God forbid, but you know, let's say the, the child has um, like floppy baby syndrome, it's just not thriving. Well, you can use the child's own stem cells and you can, you can help regenerate that development stage and get the child right back on track. And I've actually seen seen this happen. I've seen studies on it and we're, we actually have seen that clinically as well. So there's so many applications. And the nice thing about having your own um, tissue, your own cord there is you know exactly the source. You know the mother, you know where it came from. Um, of course, Utah Cord Bank, even when you're using donated tissue and you're using somebody else's, it's still neutral. I mean, it's immune neutral, so you're not going to have a rejection to it because they are the way they process it and remove any human leukocyte antigen markers in there. But um, you can you can still use that. But the nice thing about using your own is you know exactly where it came from, and the quantity is going to be a lot higher, so you could treat multiple conditions. So, so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what Roy decides to do with that. Are you are you? Do you read a bunch of sci-fi? Um, no, I know. I probably sound like I do. I guess some of the uh, people I follow are, they're kind of sci-fi. It's, this stuff is, it's so futuristic to me. And, and I, and I think, you know, to, to look forward to where we're at now, and I have both of my pinkies, by the way. Um, but <laughs> just, you know, as we look forward into the future and where we're at now about, about what's what's possible to be able to 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 be able to heal and regenerate and treat is is so fascinating. Um, what what are you what are you taking what are you taking a really hard look at now? Like what's what's the latest research? What's the what's a what's an excellent resource that people can get involved in that you that you really like right now? You know, um, I try to get my my research from as many sources as possible. Obviously, I'm like a PubMed browser. Um, but, um, one of the, the big things that I found is, um, you know, I'm, I look at the biggest thing that motivates me right now and keeps me looking in multiple directions is, is this thing called health independence. So I wrote a book called your health transformation. And for anyone who's actually, uh, listened to this entire conversation and heard my tangents as a gift to you, um, uh, you know, you'll get a free download of, of my book, Your Health Transformation. But one of the things I'm really passionate about is I want to help give a million people their health independence by 2025. Um, and so um, I had this, and, and I do this 
not only through my clinics, I've got four clinics in Utah where we've helped over 50,000 people, but I also um, coach and train other, you know, I've got doctors, acupuncturists, naturopaths, chiros, clinics who are medically integrated. And I help them grow and help more people. So um, that's, that's, that's my overall, my purpose and the big thing I'm focusing on right now. But I look at health independence and I had this patient with, uh, I have this patient, uh, his name's Eric, but he's got ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he came to me and he could barely move his arms. He could barely get himself in and out of his wheelchair. He's in constant pain all the time. And I see that as health dependence. His biggest, biggest thing that, that he was faced with every single day of his life is he could not take care of himself. So he's got a 20-year-old son who's his caretaker. His wife has to work to pay the bills. Eric gets disability, but it's very small, small amount of, of income. And the, the most gratifying thing for me was we, we treated him with stem cells. We've been doing acupuncture. We worked on his digestive system, calmed down the inflammatory cycles, looked at genetics, hormones. Um, and what we've seen is now, you know, within the first month of treatment, he could now his arms regain their strength. His brain turned on again. He's like, I can remember where I left the keys. I remember people's names. I can remember what I've read, but he can transport himself in and out of his chair. He came and spoke to a, a, a stem cell, a, a group of, of patients uh, about his, his treatments. And, um, you know, he made virtually there's not a dry eye in the room because not only has his pain levels gone from a 10 to a two, but he's transporting himself. He's starting to move his legs again. So that's the real thing. I don't, you know, as far as one thing I'm focused on, stem cells is just one of the things, but my real purpose, my real goal, I, I feel like one of the, the reasons I'm on this planet is to give, give people back their health independence. And that's, that's where natural stacks helps turn people's brains on. And so that's where Roy and I have really come in because if your brain's not working, it's really hard to have your health independence. And so if you can turn your brain on, turn your digestive system on, get your stem cells turning over for you and live super long and happy, then I feel like I've done my, my job. That's, that's a perfect place to end this bad boy. That is, <laughs> cool. that is, that is wrapped up with a bow. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing. And as integrated as you are with the natural stacks team working personally with Roy and it, we're just, we're speaking the same language and I think that the listeners are going to get so much cool information out of this podcast with tools for them to increase their own stem cell creation uh, and to look into the future for for what they want to do um, either in banking or in banking their stem cells or or using it as a, as a healing modality for injuries and stuff like that. It's just it's massively huge. Reagan, thank you so much for being on the OPP. Can you tell uh, the listeners where they can find you? Of course, um, and it, it was my honor to be on the on the show. I'm super happy to be on here. But uh, they can find me at they can email me at info at gowellness.com. Um, my clinic website is acueastwest.com, or you can just plug in East West Health Utah, and you'll find us. Come visit us. We have patients who travel from all over the world to our clinics, so we'll we'll roll out the red carpet for you. Awesome. All right, Reagan. We'll uh, we'll follow up with you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.